Good afternoon. I'm Al Creston. Joining me right now, Dr. Michael New, Assistant Professor of Practice at the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. He's also an Associate Scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute and a Paige Comstack Cunningham Fellow at Americans United for Life. Michael, good to have you here. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Well, let's talk about last year on the topic of abortion. What were the big stories? Obviously, uh, the pro-life <laughs> beat dominated by the Dobbs decision and the midterms uh, afterwards. I uh, don't think there's right. any denying that. <laughs> right. Obviously, the, the big story was the Dobbs decision. I mean, on June 24th, 2022, uh, the Supreme Court handed down this ruling. Uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And now states can legally protect preborn children. Yeah. And I think you know some of your younger listeners probably just don't appreciate what a slog this has been. Right. Uh, it was 49 years of marching, praying, voting, yep. sidewalk counseling, uh, educating our friends and neighbors, doing a whole variety of things to build a culture of life. Uh, and at long last, our, our efforts our efforts paid off, and yeah. uh, it was a great victory for us. Yes. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, I'm reminded of the old Winston Churchill quote: uh, "This is not the end." It's not even the beginning of the end, but may well be the end of the beginning. So we certainly <laughs> still have our work cut out for us. But uh, lots of good things did happen. Thirteen states currently are now protecting preborn children. Uh, Georgia has in place a heartbeat law, which is protecting the preborn uh, after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. Uh, we already have some data showing these laws are doing a lot of good. Uh, Society for Family Planning did a study that found in the first two months alone. 10,000 you know, unborn children were saved. Uh, I did a study in the Texas Heartbeat Act, which took effect in 2021, looking at birth data from Texas, uh, which found that in five months, you know, 5,000 preborn children were saved. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of good things were happening, but we'll talk about other developments as well, I'm sure, uh, in this segment. Yeah. Um, the Texas Heartbeat Act has saved lives. Uh, tell us a little bit how that works. Well, sure. I mean, even before Dobbs, uh, some states were moving forward and protecting preborn children. And uh, in Texas, uh, a heartbeat act took effect uh, September 1st, 2021, and had kind of a unique enforcement mechanism that made it difficult to for courts to either you know overturn or uh, reverse that piece of legislation. And um, you know, after it took effect, you know, abortions fell uh, pretty quickly in Texas. They fell probably by about fifty-five, sixty percent. Wow. Some people argued that you know it's just women getting abortions in other states, or it's you know women obtaining chemical abortion pills through the mail. But what I did is I looked at birth data, and I figured that you know seven months after the Heartbeat Act took effect, you know, unborn children who have otherwise you know been aborted would be born. And we did see a nice increase in births in Texas. I would say we've seen probably a thousand more births every month, uh, starting in that seventh month after the Heartbeat Act took effect. So mm. in five months, roughly about five thousand lives have been saved. So just looking at birth data, you know, I think that's just good evidence that if you know more children are being born, you know, that shows these pro-life laws are are effective. Yeah, oh, very good. Um, do you see on the horizon any new bills? Uh, that uh, are going to be fought out in the near future? Well, I think, you know, we certainly have our work cut out for us. I think that, uh, you know, South Carolina, there seems to be some interest in passing a strong pro-life law. Uh, I think there's just some, you know, internal disagreements about, you know, whether or not it should include things like rape or incest exceptions. And I'm sure those disagreements will probably get hammered out sometime in the near future. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I've heard that, um, you know, in um, Utah, there's some, you know, 
efforts to push through with a, a strong piece of pro-life legislation. So, you know, there's certainly, you know, other opportunities for pro-lifers in, in other states. Again, you know, we've moved quickly, you know, again, in 13 states, Preborn children are not protected. You know, in Georgia, you know, there's a heartbeat law in effect, uh, but there's still plenty of opportunities to, to build a culture of life in, in other states. Uh, again, speaking of uh, different uh, uh, different types of pro-life laws, uh, looking here from my in my notes for uh, President Trump's statement uh, that he thought that uh, uh, abortion uh, was a loser issue. Uh, in the November elections, and uh, he seemed to think that absolutists on this issue of abortion were a political liability. Is what do you say to that? I think that was a very unwise thing for President Trump to say. Okay. I think that uh, President Trump, uh, you know, was, was the most pro-life president in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was the one who got those judges appointed that played a role or a big role in getting Roe v. Wade overturned. And I just think if you kind of look carefully at the results, uh, there's many strong pro-life candidates did very well in 2022. Uh, many of the governors who signed those pro-life laws into effect were re-elected and re-elected by large margins in states where they faced some well-financed opposition. You know, Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia uh, won by a large margin. He signed a heartbeat bill. Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, uh, where he passed a very strong pro-life law, he was re-elected. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a 15-week ban in Florida. He was re-elected. So there's you know plenty of evidence. Again, Governor you know, Mike DeWine of Ohio you know was re-elected. So um, you know there's a lot of evidence out there that uh, you know these governors who signed strong pro-life laws you know and didn't hide from the issue you know won and you know won by pretty good margins. Yeah. Well, this is going to be coming up in the future where um, pro-life communities working to limit abortion are going to be asking questions of what uh, proposed bills should, uh, any exceptions that should be made, uh, or should there be rape, incest uh, uh, provisions in these bills. What's your read of the pro-life attitude on this? You know, generally, you know, pro-lifers don't like exceptions. You right. know, we believe right. that you know all innocent human life is precious and a gift from God. You know, nobody has you know any control over the circumstances surrounding their conception. So uh, you know, again, we really think that you know all pre-born children deserve legal protection, regardless of you know what circumstances that conception takes place. Uh, that said, you know, we also at a certain level need to be pragmatic. You know, I've always been a strong supporter of incremental pro-life laws. Right. You know, I think they do a lot of good. They do save some unborn children. They often do educate people about the permissive nature of abortion policy in many states. So if a, you know, a complete law that can't protect all pre-born children, uh, if that's just not able to be passed and a compromise measure, you know, can be passed, you know, I'd say pass a compromise measure and then try to get a better law in the future. So, yeah. you know, I think we need to be, you know, sometimes principles are important, but politics also you need to be pragmatic. And I think sometimes if we can pass some legislation that will protect some pre-born children, we should go ahead and do that. You know, I know we've been primarily talking about the, the pro-life issue here in the United States. Uh, I'm just going to throw something your way. It came across my desk this morning. I had not heard of this before. But uh, the U.S. Department, according to, again, a Reuters story, the U.S. Department of State says it's deeply troubled by recent allegations of a forced abortion program on more than 10,000 Nigerian women and has communicated its concerns to the Nigerian government. Do, have you come across that story yet? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, that's not 
something I've heard of, but yeah. you know, coerced abortion is certainly a big problem. It's certainly in China, certainly in many countries that have very coercive population control, uh, you know, measures in place. So I had not heard of that story, that but particular I agree, story, it's yeah, concerning. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'll going to take some time. Like I said, it just came across my desk this morning, so I wanted to thought I'd throw it your way in case you'd heard about anything about it. Um, there's a story here uh, that you wrote for National Review on Planned Parenthood's uh, annual report, uh, abortion increasing, health service declining. Tell us about it. Sure. I mean, Planned Parenthood was very late in coming out with their annual report this year, uh, but you know, essentially it showed that you know, trends continue as far as Planned Parenthood goes. That uh, for the most recent year for which we have data, you know, abortion numbers uh, did go up, uh, and a variety of you know health services you know did go down, and that's kind of very consistent with previous trends. I mean, you know, Planned Parenthood tries to present themselves as a very mainstream provider of different kinds of health care, uh, but their main interest is abortion, and they're more and more interested in doing abortions. They do more every year, and they do less and less in the way of health care every year. Hmm. So their annual report was really no no big surprise. Okay, okay. So that's something we see, and they, they're not, and that doesn't bother them, right? I <laughs> uh, no, they're very clear about the number of abortions they do. Uh, it's right there in their annual report. You know, they don't try to hide or conceal those numbers from anybody. Okay. FDA um, has changed its policy apparently, allowing abortion pills to be sold at pharmacies. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Right. That's another challenge for pro-lifers to work on. I mean, we certainly had a lot of good news this year, but there's also some challenges and some other developments we should be concerned of. And the Biden administration has done actually multiple things in terms of making chemical abortion pills you know, more available. Uh, one thing they did in 2022 uh, was they permanently waived uh, the in-person requirement to obtain chemical abortion drugs. So that means women you know, can now get them without an in-person medical exam. And I think that has very you know, troubling implications. Yeah. If a woman has an ectopic pregnancy and obtains a chemical abortion pill, uh, that could be fatal. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. a woman is further along in gestation than she realizes and she obtains a chemical abortion, that could have some very negative health Serious, that could have some very serious negative health implications. Uh, and then just a day or two ago, you know, we learned, like even yesterday, uh, we've learned that uh, the chemical abortion pill can now be you know, sold or dispensed by pharmacies. So, um, you know, I think that's also you know, very troubling. Uh, we really do see a big increase in chemical abortions. Right now, over half of all abortions are chemical abortions. There's actually a 44% increase in chemical abortions between 2017 and 2020. So this is something that pro-lifers really have to be aware of. We need to kind of push back both in terms of education uh, and legislation. With that, with that increase, do we have a good sense of what percentage of abortions are actually a result of chemi- you know, chemical abortions? Yeah, right now, I mean, the data from Guttmacher, and it's mostly supported by data from the CDC, indicates that, again, more than half of all abortions are chemical abortions. So, you know, back in 2000, when the FDA first approved RU46, it was only about, you know, a few percent. Uh, but now, more than, again, half of all abortions are chemical abortions. And, you know, again, I think that they, there's good research showing that chemical abortion drugs are risky. Uh, FDA just released some new data. There have been 28 deaths attributed to the chemical abortion pill uh, since 2000. So, again, I think this is something that pro-lifers just need to be aware of, need to push back against. Yeah. This becomes, from the standpoint of um, public argument, though, uh, it, it don't you think it becomes harder uh, to 
for harder to battle uh, a pill sold over you know in a pharmacy. Uh, it just it, it, in the imagination of the public, they're thinking that's just medical care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We know you know otherwise, but I I think it makes our it makes it more difficult if if that many people are getting uh, receiving abortion through uh, you know basically an over the counter drug. Uh, it makes it makes the abortion issue. Uh, more um, just part of the part of daily life. I mm-hmm. and I think it's 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 a it's going to be something. I think it's going to be difficult, more difficult to uh, make our case. I think it's sociologically. I think it just makes it seem makes abortion seem more quote normal. It's out of the hands of quote doctors now. Uh, yeah, I. I I'm not sure what we can do in particular about this, but I'm, I think uh, in terms of public argument, there may be something uh, something different we have to do to meet this new right. challenge. Right. I agree that it does kind of sanitize the issue yeah, in a certain yeah. way. Uh, but I will say none of us signed up for the pro-life movement because we thought it would be easy. No, right. Uh, right. We're no, always I, facing new challenges, <laughs> in my opinion. And you know, there are aspects of you know chemical – I think we'll have some very powerful testimonies from women. I mean, one unique thing about chemical abortions is that women do see the remains of their child very often. That's tough, and I think that could lead to some very powerful negative testimonies. Interesting. Michael, once again, thanks for your work. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Dr. Michael New, again, uh, will have his contact information available at AveMariaRadio.net in the Crusty Guest Archives.